While I experienced a time glitch at work last year in May of 2021, it was not my first time-related glitch in the Matrix. My first glitch related to time took place at the library at the University of California, Santa Barbara, during my first year of college. Note, this is a rather detailed composition of my experience. Originally, I had written about it near the time of the event in an email, before forwarding it across several email accounts, and then finally transferring my story to my long-defunct online journal. Rest in peace, Zanga in the blog section of MySpace. I finally decided to share this publicly, with a few present-day details. I attended UCSB from 2000 to 2004. I barely went out in order to not spend any money, if possible, and probably used all the credits on my meal plan for the school year. Quick shout-out to Ortega Dining Commons for the takeout meals that sustained me during some all-night cramming sessions. As a bookish student, I spent a lot of time at Davidson Library in my freshman year, choosing the floor I would study at with no rhyme or reason. By the end of the school year, I could honestly say that I have studied on each floor of the library at least once, including inside the spectacular Pacific View Room on the 8th floor. Halfway into the first quarter of the school year, in the middle of October of 2000, I began preparing for my midterms. I was not the type of person who could study at home, treating my dorm room at Santa Rosa Residence Hall as my bedroom and nothing else. The glitch took place after I had taken half of my midterms, I had taken two of my midterms in as many days so far, and met up with my roommates at Ortega for lunch at around noon. Afterward, we parted ways as he headed for the university center, Yusen, to start his shift at the bookstore, thanks to a work-study program, while I headed over to Davidson Library. I entered the library through the Davidson entrance since, at the time, it was the main entrance to the library. This shows my age, as major renovations saw the construction of a new library entrance and a wing a decade after I graduated and left the school. I headed for the Ocean's Elevator, a set of three elevators with access to all eight floors of the library tower, and I pressed the up button. The middle elevator opened immediately. I stepped inside, turned around, and pressed the button for the 8th floor. After a short wait, the elevator doors closed, and I went up to the 8th floor alone without stopping on any of the floors in between. When the elevator doors opened on the 8th floor, I stepped outside the elevator, and took two steps, and abruptly stopped in my tracks. I was surrounded by the exposed concrete floor slab, save for the elevated tile flooring I was standing on directly in front of the elevator. There was construction equipment and bags of masonry material everywhere, but there were no walls or windows to speak of. Undoubtedly, the place that I ended up was under construction and open to the elements. I went back inside the elevator to see which floor I was on, and the LED panel showed a number 8 with a down arrow. Tentatively, I went back outside and walked straight from the elevator due west toward the edge of the apparent construction area. In the distance, I saw the setting sun slowly dipping below the horizon of the Pacific Ocean. If you go to the beach to watch the sunset at UCSB, over the course of the year, you'll see that, thanks to the tilt of the Earth. The sun sets over the Pacific Ocean during the colder winter months, and over the California mainland during the warmer spring and summer months. Seeing the sunset caught me off guard almost right away, since it was not supposed to occur for several hours. After all, my roommate and I had left the dining commons together at about five minutes before 1pm so that he wouldn't be late for work. I was further shocked by something else I saw, 
or rather didn't see. I looked down at the U-Sen by the campus lagoon, and Stork Tower was not there. I mean, there's no way anyone on campus could overlook a bell and clock tower that stands at 175 feet, let alone from the vantage point of the 8th floor of the library. I turned to my right, looking due north, and saw the peaks of the Santa Ynez Mountains, covered in snow. As far as I knew, no precipitation of any kind had fallen yet in the Santa Barbara area since the beginning of the school year, never mind any rain in the local beach areas and especially not any snow in the local mountains. While I stared at the snow-covered mountains, a small plane emerged from just below my field of vision and gained altitude, apparently taking off from the local airport. After the plane disappeared from sight, I looked down and saw the rooftop of the original two-story library adjacent to the library tower. I did an about-face and looked due south toward the Pacific Ocean. In the distance, I saw Santa Cruz Island of the Channel Islands Archipelago, just off the coast. When I looked down, I was stunned to find that the four-story wing built just south of the library tower was missing. In its place were far more bicycle racks than I remember seeing previously, as these bike racks extended from the bike path to the edge of the library tower. By the way, I had only been on the 8th floor for about two minutes so far, so I was somewhat surprised when I saw that the doors of the elevator I took were still open as I turned around. While taking all of this in, I snapped back to my purpose of being there at the library in the first place, and promptly headed due east for behind the elevators, where the Pacific View Room should have been. Unfortunately, this area was also under construction. I looked over this edge of the concrete floor slab, and I saw Webb Hall below. Given the distance between the library and Webb Hall, another building could very well fit in the open space. I looked up and in the distance, I saw the Mesa, an expansive neighborhood in the city of Santa Barbara. UCSB is technically in the city of Galetta, but that's a story for another time. The neighborhood diverted my attention for something I was not expecting to see. Streetlights. The apparent sunset meant that the streetlights were slowly turning on throughout the city as it became evening. I was not going to get caught in the darkness of an apparently unfinished library floor that did not have electricity or lights, nor did I want to stick around in a place and time that was very different from the one that I came from. I headed for the elevator that I took, since the doors were still open, and pressed the 1 button. The doors promptly closed, and I headed back downstairs. As I made my way down, I had come to the disconcerting conclusion that, some way, somehow, I went back in time. It wasn't just an abrupt change in time of day, either. I briefly ended up in the past, when the library tower was still under construction, while Stork Tower and the four-story wing of the library did not yet exist. When I reached the first floor, I stepped outside the elevator and looked to my right. I saw the long passageway connecting the library tower to the original library. Adjacent to the elevators were several payphones, as well as a dorm phone. My roommate and I opted to not get a landline for our dorm, since we had cell phones anyway. I turned to my left and walked towards the entrance that I had just walked through mere minutes ago. To my enormous relief, I saw the current serials section, which houses printed magazines, journals, and newspapers, and is located on the lower level of the first floor of the four-story wing. Next to the entrance of this section is a staircase leading to the ethnic and gender studies section on the second floor of the same wing. There were lots of people on the staircase going in both directions as I headed for the exit. I looked through the glass doors, 
and realized that not only was I back in the present time, but also the same time of day as when I arrived there, just five minutes ago. As I stepped outside the library, soaring between Gervitz Hall and the music library was Stork Tower. I walked toward the tower and paused upon arriving at the entrance of the music library. I continued looking up at the Stork Tower, still pondering what I had seen while up in the library tower. I went inside the Yusen, found a table outside of a cafe, and studied for my third midterm until 5pm when my roommate got off work at the bookstore. He was surprised to see me, of course. Over dinner, back at the Ortega, I told him everything that I had experienced just after lunch that day. He was skeptical, but he ultimately believed me, especially because he felt that my earnest recollection of that day's events over the years, and we still keep in touch to this day, was the only time that he had ever sensed fear in me. This was the one and only such event that I ever experienced during my time at UCSB. I've been to the 8th floor of the library tower countless times since, until I graduated, but I never went back in time again. I've taken my roommate and our friends there, I've taken my family there when my sister was exploring colleges, she ended up going to UCSC, she'd rather be a banana slug than a caucho, I guess. I've taken classmates and even a girlfriend there. Sadly, I was not able to replicate my experience of going back in time with any of them. During the elevator rides to the 8th floor, I would secretly hope that the doors would open to a construction site with random but prominent features from the university's skyline missing in all directions, only to be disappointed upon seeing the scale model of the university as soon as the elevator doors opened on the 8th floor, and, ultimately, a long-ago fully-built library floor with a spectacular view of the Pacific Ocean, each and every time. I have what I thought was micro-dreams. Dreams that happen in seconds as I nod off to sleep. But where I think this, for me, is a glitch, is when I'm having them, they're just fragments of some random person's life. And they take place in places I've never been, involve people that I've never met. When I'm there, I'm one of them. And... That world is real. I know what that person does, and I have no knowledge of me in this world. For example, the glitch nod happens, and boom. I'm on a landline phone telling someone, I've been on the force for longer than any of those kids. And I feel like a 60-something worn-out cop frustrated by the fact that he now takes orders from someone a quarter of his age. Then... Boom. I'm jolting away at my computer less than a minute past in what felt like 20. I have too many to list, but the one that changed my view on these happened several years ago. I was at the computer, I nodded off, and I was suddenly in a suit with a suitcase standing in an upscale urban area. I was still me this time, as in I was aware of who I was in this world, or this life that I currently exist within. I had actual control of this body. I felt the breeze in the air, experienced all the smells, the sensations of the shoes that I had on being new and not broken in yet. I felt the weight of the suitcase. I smelled coffee in the air and then turned and saw a coffee shop with the place where people could lock up their bicycles. It was dark, but the sky was mostly clear, just some passing clouds. The streets in this area weren't asphalt. They looked like brick pavers, and it wasn't a normal busy street. In fact, the area that I was in wasn't busy at all. I didn't see anyone else but I could hear the traffic not far away. 
It was just after 10.30, almost 10.40. I, slash he, was wearing a non-digital watch. The ground was slightly wet, like it had rained earlier that day. I was standing near a bus stop. I was taking in everything as I looked around, trying to record this all to memory. Then I started to feel like I was becoming this person. I somehow knew I worked at the building that I was standing by. To my right, there was a tall skyscraper. It was modern looking, but had very distinct architecture. I was so amazed by how clear everything was, and how vivid the colors were. Like watching an HD movie after years of only watching VHS ones. I looked up at the moon, just emerging from thinning clouds. It was the moon right before a full moon that almost looks full. I was so amazed by how clearly I could see it. I realized that this body I was in had really good eyesight. Mine in this world needs glasses to see anything more than three foot away. Well, I jolted back to sitting at my PC. I said, I've got this fresh in my head, and I went on to Google Earth looking for this place to see if it was real or not. But then how do I find it? I knew it was within the US, because all the signs were in English and were clearly familiar to me being an American. It was just after 10.40 as well, so it was likely in the same time zone. I searched for two hours, and I found the exact place. I dropped into Street View, and a chill went through me like a million volts. Everything was there. The bus stop, the coffee shop, the bike racks, the building. I didn't know what to think. It was late, so I saved the spot on my Google Earth and went to bed. I wish I could share the exact location, but that computer crashed over a year ago, and I have since changed my Facebook that I originally posted the information to as a record. I just spent an hour looking for it again at work. I'm in shipping and receiving, so it's not out of the norm to be on Google Earth so I know how to find locations with little information. I can't remember the city. Ohio State or Michigan. I think the Matrix deleted it. It's possible the coffee shop went out of business and is now something different, but I found it last time by searching the building description. I'll keep looking for it in my free time, and I'll add it here if I do find it. Just a note, it's been over a month since I wrote this the first time. Still no luck in finding it. Being an artist, I'll attempt to draw the location as I remember the topography, and I'll add a link to this post if I get around to it. To answer or clarify, I don't know if this was an alternate reality, a glitch, or a road not taken. I don't know. But being somewhat rational, I can't say what it was or wasn't until I find this location again. Until that point... It's just another question mark that makes me the strange guy that I am. The brain is an amazing thing. I think people overlook this fact when in relation to glitches and quantum immortality experiences. Are we shifting realities? Or are we all dreaming or creating realities within our mind? These micro-dream glitches I get scream at me that something else is going on. Because when I'm in these experiences, I usually have no knowledge of this world. Or, in case of experiences like this one, when I was aware of this world, it felt like the dream in that one was real. I was asked why I care so much about the nature of reality if I can't change anything. I said, because if this is a simulation or dream of a higher dimensional version of myself... I want it to know that I know, and I want better for humanity than for it to just be an entertainment or an experiment. We are people that love, create, suffering when we don't have to. 
and we deserve better. I have a really weird story that happened to me about six months ago, and it's actually one of those things that really messed with my head after it happened. Like I said, this was around my birthday, which is in the first week of August. I just turned 18 last year, so I still live with my parents, as I've been finishing school and planning on my college. And my brother also lives with us. He's 22, and during the pandemic he lost his job, and his lease on his apartment also came up for renewal, so... He decided that moving back home when he had the opportunity to do so was a good idea. The week of my birthday, we were planning a family dinner to celebrate, and we were going to have my grandma and my aunts come over. Basically, it was supposed to be a fun little get-together among close family, making the most of what we had and the day in general. My mom was making dinner, my grandma and my aunts were all in the living room talking, and my dad and siblings were out in the backyard. My mom then lets out a fairly large, damn it, and naturally, thinking something was wrong, I walked in and asked if she was okay. She tells me to go get my brother, so I do. She then mentions to him that she had forgotten to get the candles for my cake. I tell her it's not really a big deal, that we don't need to do all that, and she insists, saying it's my last birthday as her little girl, and that this would be the last time she could ever do this for me. I wasn't going to fight it after that. She had her mind set on what she wanted to do, and that was it. My brother gets his keys, and he asks me if I want to go with him to the store. At first, I said yes but then my mom chimed in and said, No, I want you to go spend time with your grandma. He'll be fine. I say sorry, and he makes a comment about how he's going to find yellow candles since I don't have to go. I hate the color yellow with the passion, so this was him taunting me. I head to the living room, he goes out to his car, and we move on from there. I was sitting in the living room talking to my grandma when I got hit with this really weird sense of dread. It was like a panic attack was coming on, but it was not a panic attack. It was this really weird feeling of the entire world coming down on me. That's the only way I know how to explain it. I was feeling normal, and within the next few minutes... I was feeling like the literal sky was crashing down around me, and that the earth was going to split in two and swallow me up without a second thought. I excused myself as best as I could and ran to the bathroom. As soon as I shut the door, I got this horrible feeling like I was literally punched in the stomach. If you've ever been punched, you know the feeling. Your lungs empty... You hunch over instinctively, your eyes start to water, and you can feel the blood pressure building up in your eyes. Don't ask how I know this. At this point, I'm sitting on the floor of the bathroom feeling like I had just gotten my ass kicked, and still feeling this god-awful sense of dread. And I have no idea how long I was just sitting there and waiting for it to pass, I would say it was probably 10 to 15 minutes or so before I opened the door to head back out. And, as soon as I did, I saw my mother, grandmother, and my aunts all in the back living room, all kind of huddled up and crying. I head in, and as soon as I get in there, my mom turns to hug me tightly, and then tells me that my brother was in an accident and that he was being rushed to a nearby hospital. She said that he wasn't in critical condition, but that he was really badly banged up, and that they were going to head up there to see him right away. Long story short on this, he was hit nearly head-on by another car. Someone that wasn't paying attention to the road, 
and had pretty much taken a left turn straight into his car. He had a couple broken bones, but nothing terribly severe, and if anyone cares, he has made a full recovery. The part that gets me, that actually bothers me, is that this person hit the passenger side of the car more than the driver's side, and based on what I saw of the car, if I had been in that seat, I would have most likely been severely injured or worse. And, based on the timeline of events, he most likely got hit around the same time I started feeling that horrible dread and the pain in my stomach. I know that this sounds really dumb to some people, but in my mind, I was supposed to be in that car. I'm not a huge believer in fate, or destiny, but I feel like that was supposed to be my end. Somehow, my mom managed to intervene with what was supposed to happen, and told me that I had to stay. But because she changed what was supposed to happen, I ended up still feeling some of what had happened. Almost like I was still in the seat at that time, but it was out of place. I know that sounds really weird and maybe hard to understand, but I really do feel like I did some sort of weird quantum timeline shift and managed to get out of a fatal situation. However, the Matrix was a bit slow to update, and I still got to feel what I would have felt in the crash. This happened to me for the second time today, and it freaked me out. The first time it happened, I wanted to share a post here, but I just didn't feel like it was enough on its own. I honestly don't know if this could be classed as a glitch, but the feeling I get from this when it happens is that the concept of time isn't real, or linear, and we have the ability to basically experience things from the future without even noticing until after it's happened. It sounds crazy, but I'll explain. So, here it is. This has happened to me twice now. I'm an artist, and both times this happened has been when I have an idea in my head, and I'll scour through reference images until I find the one. Not that I have an exact known building in my mind, just something that looks how I imagine the scene in my mind. I'll choose a building that I don't know anything about, just that I like the look of. The first time was a few months ago. I was drawing an Amsterdam street scene. I had a look through various blogs, Instagram accounts, and Google searches until I found a building I felt was just right to draw. I started drawing it, and then went to make a coffee and have a quick break from drawing. I sat down with my coffee, and was mindlessly flicking through Instagram stories, when someone I know who lives in Amsterdam shared a photo, and what was in the background. The exact same damn house that I had just drawn. Now, I know what you're thinking. You probably think I just thought they were the same building because the canal houses often have similar features. I took two screenshots and compared everything. From the window frames, the shape of the roof, the things outside the building, the tree, the stones on the pavement, the building next door. It was 100% the same building. I also know Amsterdam quite well myself, and can say with 100% certainty that it is the exact same building. I messaged the guy that I know, and I said, Is that a famous building or something? And he said it wasn't, and that he hadn't even specifically photographed that building. It was a regular Amsterdam building. A nice one, but nothing extraordinary compared to every other building out there. Nothing that makes it stand out more than others. I explained to him what had happened, and I showed him my screenshots and my drawing. 
and he was equally as freaked out, too. Please bear in mind that this all happened within the space of an hour or less. Today, the same thing happened again with another building. Two days ago, I was scouring the internet looking for references for a London warehouse, Victorian period. I already had the idea of how it would look in my mind. I just needed to find a photograph to draw from that matched. So, I looked through hundreds of warehouses and picked one. It had a nice curved shape to the roof and some white writing on the wall that said Spratt's Patent Limited. So, I drew it. Weird fact, this warehouse was also next to a canal, so both my drawings that I'm referring to are canal scenes. Today, I was eating my dinner, and the TV was on. A still image flashed on the screen, and guess what it was? It was the exact same building that I had just drawn two days ago. Same angle, and everything. I was once again so freaked out. The program was not even anything about the building. It was just a still image that quickly flashed up to show where they were filming. Some quick statistics for you. In Amsterdam, there are believed to be around 7,000 historical canal houses. So, what made me choose this one? I can't find any estimation online of how many Victorian warehouses there are in London, but I grew up there, and I can tell you that London is full of historical buildings and warehouses, and wharves. Lots of folks will just tell me it's a coincidence, but it personally, in my soul, I feel there's more to it than that. As an artist, I don't just draw anything for the sake of it. I draw things that come from my soul, and where do my ideas come from? In these instances, I can honestly tell you that I feel like my ideas must have come from the near future. Time cannot be as linear as we believe it is. I hope this makes an interesting read, and I would love to hear your thoughts or similar stories. I'll try to explain this the best that I can. It sounds inexplicable. This has never made sense to me. And I think about it on occasion because I could never figure it out. It happened about ten years ago. I don't want to say where I actually was, but it was a Midwestern town. It bothers me because it doesn't make sense. I was driving through a city of around 200,000 people, and my parents lived there. And the exit to get to their house was the last one before you left the city driving east to west. I missed the exit, and I didn't want to swerve at the last minute because there was traffic on the interstate. But then, I left the city, and anyone who lives in a Midwestern town knows that once you get past the last exit, you can go for miles before you even get a place that you can drive off on. So, basically... I figured I would just keep driving until I finally found a road to get off on and turn around. Anyways, I just kept driving. Then, I saw those big interstate signs that you see above you. But they were all rusted. Without the signs. Just the posts. I thought maybe it was due to road construction. I thought that maybe I had missed a detour. But at this point, I was paying attention, because I needed to get around and turn back. But there weren't any places to turn around, so I just kept driving. It didn't make any sense, because there weren't lights anymore, and the road was getting worn out, like it hadn't been paved in years. Then there were trees, like lots of pine trees. It didn't make sense. I was kind of starting to panic because I didn't know where I was. I was sure that I didn't take a different route. 
and the road started to get really old and the trees were dense, which didn't make sense, because this is a place with few trees. I slowed down because I was honestly scared and confused as to where I was, and I then saw some of those black and white roadblock signs just blocking the road. It did not make sense. Why would they be in the middle of the damn highway? They were just sitting there, blocking the actual interstate. I thought maybe I had gotten off the interstate, so I stopped in the middle of the road, thinking, okay, I'll just turn around. So I crossed the median and started to drive back. I felt lost, but I drove on the road and, without any turns, I came back and was on the damn same interstate. I don't get it. I turned off the exit and drove right to my parents' house. I was always on the same road, and I never turned off except for the exit. I asked my parents if there was some kind of road construction going on, and they said not that they knew of. I was very confused and really worried. I was so bothered by it. I kept thinking about how I was probably so aloof that it was just a mistake and I probably drove off in a different direction. When I left to go home a couple of days later, I wanted to make sure, so I went back on the exact same interstate and drove in the exact same direction. It was fine. There were no roadblocks, no trees, no nothing. I never turned off. I was always driving on the exact same road. That interstate was not the same place. I don't know, it bothers me to this day. I guess I wanted someone else's opinion as to what might have happened. P.S. I have no mental illness. I don't do drugs. I don't drink and drive. It was Sioux Falls, exit 29, on the west side of town, while I was traveling westbound on I-90. Sorry to keep adding, but I honestly believe that I was in a place that did not exist, or I wasn't supposed to be in. I can't think of any other explanation. It keeps going over my head over the years, and nothing else makes sense. I really don't know, it bothers me so much. Okay, so I'm making this post after telling people of my original experience, Where Did I Go?, which is the story in this video prior to this story. I really didn't want to explain this one, because I felt like it would just make my other experience less believable, but it really does bother me. This is one of the only two strange experiences I've ever had. I explained how I had an experience in the Midwest, and this also took place in the Midwest. This time, I was diverted on some obvious road construction around a town of about 10,000 people, so I took the detour. It was around 11 or 12 at night, I just kept driving wherever the marker sent me. Anyone who has experienced road construction in the Midwest knows how this is. Random markers telling you to go every which way. I get how anyone could get lost. So, I was just going along the road signs. Somehow I must have gotten mixed up. I ended up on this giant bridge. Nothing on top, just a road above everything. I looked down and I saw lots of lights, like it was some sort of industrial area. But there were no people. At all. I didn't think it was too strange at the time. I thought maybe I was just driving over a power plant or something like that. But then, I got to the end of the bridge, and I didn't see any more signs. It was a town. But it looked run down, but not extremely old. I kind of wanted to stop and maybe ask someone where to go to get back onto the highway. There was no activity at all, though. 
I pulled into this parking lot, and the building looked like it hadn't been touched in ten or more years. I was kind of hoping that someone would drive by. It was super eerie. There was literally no one. No cars. Nothing. It felt really strange. Even late at night, I'd figure that I would see a light somewhere. I kept looking around, but everything was dark. All the buildings looked like they hadn't been touched in 10 or 20 years. I got a really bad feeling like I was not supposed to be here. Towns closed down, I get it, but they are not supposed to look like this. This was around 2012, and those buildings looked like they hadn't been touched since the 90s. I decided I should just go, retrace my steps, and maybe get back to where I was. I went back across the huge bridge, and after I made it across the bridge, I turned off and then saw the detour signs again. I was so relieved, I made it back on the highway. When I went back home, I was visiting my parents for a few days, I tried to find where the hell I was at. I could never find that place again. There was no giant bridge, no town that looked 20 years old and abandoned. I've searched and driven through the area multiple times. It doesn't exist. And it bothers me. P.S. This is the second and only one of two odd experiences I've had. Again, I've never done drugs, I have no history of mental illness, and I don't drink and drive. I have no other strange experiences beyond these two, and I'll answer any questions that I can. And edit... I truly do believe that this was some sort of glitch in the Matrix, and it makes sense to me to post it here. This happened at the end of June 2016. I was going through a low point and I wasn't taking care of myself, living like I didn't care if I died. A friend was trying to get me out more, doing things, anything to distract me from my problems. My friend took me to a horror convention. I didn't like horror and still don't. But I went anyways, secretly hoping to meet a single gothic curl or something. The week before, while watching the news, the Today Show, for clarity, they had an entire segment about the passing of Gene Wilder. I wasn't a fan or anything, I just thought his story was sad. I saw things that I didn't know about him. When we went to the convention, the only living actor from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was there signing autographs. They had a huge billboard with the morbid fact that this kind old man was the sole surviving actor. I thought it was disrespectful to Gene Wilder's recent passing and all they did was talk about it. I didn't meet any single women there. <laughs> it wasn't a bad experience, but it wasn't exciting, either. A month after, I was watching the Today Show again before work, only to see that Gene Wilder had died again. I was like, what the hell? The Today Show is live, so they don't have reruns. I checked several other sources, and it was true that he had died again. Well, not again for the rest of the world. I instantly called my friend. I asked about the horror convention. Everything was the same, minus the whole soul survivor part. My friend insists that we never had a conversation about the morbid billboard, or the disrespectful nature of it. Nor had the topic of Gene Wilder come up at all. I know that we did. It was the main topic of conversation for the entire convention for us. I asked him, well, what did we talk about then? My friend insists that we talked about Willy Wonka and a few other horror movies. And how I thought that horror movies were a product of lazy writing meant for people who aren't smart enough to understand science fiction. I don't remember that at all, but I totally agree with myself. 
I just wouldn't have said it so rudely. I now, since then, quote that line that my other self said. I thought it was a Mandela effect, but I checked around and no one else remembers Wilder dying that time and coming back. I did have a few close calls driving right after that convention, and other than that, I don't actually remember dying for quantum immortality to occur, but I suspect it to be the case. The final weird thing is, as I said, I wasn't a fan, nor had I cared about Gene Wilder, and I didn't watch the Today Show remembering Gene Wilder's segment the second time around. So, I did a bio-search of him checking my memory of the segment, that I supposedly never saw, and I knew his real name and history accurately. So, I proved to myself that it happened for me twice. This is pretty lame, but it's been circling my brain all morning, and it's on theme for the sub, so here goes. My husband and I went to Home Depot for a couple of things. We went in through the garden department, as I needed a new pot for a plant. We picked out the pot, and we're about to head inside, and I said, let's come back out and pay out here so I can get a bag of dirt, too. Since we didn't have a cart, and the pot was kind of big, my husband says, I'm going to leave this out here and we'll just grab it when we come back out. So, he sets it down in an out-of-the-way spot near the door that goes from the garden section into the store. We picked up the rest of the stuff that we needed, and I decided to make a quick trip to the restroom before leaving. The husband says he'll go back to the garden, get the dirt, and pay. When I came out the door back into the garden, I saw the pot still sitting in the spot that we left it. My husband has ADHD, so this is not at all unexpected. I grabbed it and hustled towards the checkout where he is in line. About halfway there, I saw that he had grabbed a cart, and the pot was in the cart. I figured he came out a different door and grabbed the same pot from the display area rather than the one that we set aside, for whatever reason. So, I took the pot that I'd picked up from our stashed spot and ran it back over to the display to put it back. I didn't really think anything of it until later last night, when I mentioned it for some reason. He was like, what are you talking about? I picked the pot up from where we left it. I said, hmm, that's weird because so did I. So we must have picked up two nested together and not noticed. He then said, no, I know for a fact that there was not another pot there because I didn't pick it up. I kind of kick-flipped it into the cart to see if I could, which is totally something he would do. So, I couldn't have done that with nested pots without noticing. We confirmed with each other the spot that we'd left it, and the spot that we each picked it up from, and we were definitely on the same page. The only reasonable explanation we can think of is that someone else at Home Depot would have had to pick out the same pot from the display area, halfway across the garden department, and left it in the exact random spot in the three to four minute time span between my husband picking up ours and me coming out of the restroom. Granted, the odds of that happening are higher than the odds of a pot magically appearing, but the whole situation was really weird and random. This happened over 30 years ago, and is something I have spoken about only to people that I trust. I've never been able to explain it. I was in college in New York, and my best friend came to visit me. I suggested that we go to a museum that I had to visit for a class assignment, and he was game to go. 
We set out to the subway, but we were arguing with each other. It was so silly, but serious that I got into one subway car and he got into the car next to the one I got into. The door closed and I was still mad at him. But I thought about how silly it was to get mad at my friend who'd come all the way to spend time with me. Neither of us were sitting in our cars, but standing holding on to the metal poles that are independent of the chairs. I looked through the window between the cars as I was lamenting my behavior, and I saw him looking back at me. I remember thinking that, when the car stopped, I was going to hop out of my car and go over to his and apologize. The train came to the next station seconds later, but I was feeling too proud to apologize first. So, the doors closed, and I decided I would wait for the next station. I looked into the other car, and again he was looking at me, annoyed, still. However, I did record in my mind that he was dressed differently. This was the start of thinking that something was up. Prior to this, I'd only had one or two time-slip experiences that were way less elaborate than this. The train stopped, and this time my heart was racing as I jumped out, and rushed over to his car to see whether he was in it. I recall a few people in the other car looking at me strangely, and needless to say, the experience was way, way, way too strange for me to continue to the museum, and I took the train back home. My mind was racing with, what did I just experience? When I got home, I was so antsy and weirded out by what I experienced... I just sat out on the porch. An hour later, my friend was casually walking down the street towards me. He was wearing what I recalled him wearing when we first parted and stepped onto the train. I ran up to him and hugged him super tightly and started to get really hysterical. I just kept hugging him and pelting questions at him. Where were you? What happened? Did you get on to the train? He looked at me very surprised, telling me that when I hopped on the train, he decided that he was not going to go, and just never got on to that train. I told him that I saw him as plain as day on the train, and I explained what he was wearing. We didn't say much more about it after that. He died six months later. I would experience something else with him before his passing, and I really appreciate this place to write this experience because it must be recorded. I wrote about my friend on the train, and I mentioned that he died six months later. Before he died, he was someone who used to write his name and address just randomly on things belonging to him, or in my journal or sketchbooks. I used to ask him why he did it, what mark he was trying to hold on to. He was an identical twin. His brother was slightly taller than he was. He would tell me all the time that he suspected that he was not going to live very long. He died at the age of 24. He was murdered by his older brother in a senseless argument where his brother stabbed him once in the chest. I was abroad at school at the time of the incident. He had called my parents for help moments before he died, and that also makes the whole thing even more tragic. Everything surrounding my friend those last few months had been extremely unusual. When I was home for summer vacation, before I went back to school, three months before his death... We walked about 15 to 20 miles together, talking about everything under the sun. His family and mine were amazed that we did it. When I went back to school, he would call me on the phone and say nothing at all. And then we would hang up feeling as though we had a very long conversation. There was one point where, during one of these calls, 
He said how crazy it was that we were just listening to each other say nothing on the other end of the phone. We also wrote each other a lot. This was all pre-email days. I used to do ballet, so he and I would walk to my classes and talk, and then he would walk home. After he died, I got a card in the mail from him. He drew me sitting on the park bench that we would be happily chatting away on, but the image showed me sitting there with a portrait of him in a frame. His hunch was right, it seems. It was as though he always knew when he was going to die. This happened a long time ago. I didn't know about this sub, so I had nowhere to talk about it. I'm glad I get to tell this story now, as it's pretty mundane, but weird enough to me that I'll never forget it. My friend and I took a trip to a nearby city and stopped at a gas station to grab something to drink and use the restrooms. He went in first, and while he was in there, I picked out my drink. I noticed Pineapple Fanta. I hadn't tried it before, but it sounded interesting, so I decided to give it a shot. I know that I didn't just grab the wrong one by mistake either. I had to look closely to check the caffeine content of it, as I was trying to limit that at the time. When he got out, I handed him my drink and my debit card so he could get whatever he wanted and meet me in the car. It's important to mention that I'm fairly certain he would never do this as a prank or joke. We were really close at the time, but even outside of that, he wasn't ever known to do stuff like that. Messing with people never seemed to impress him much. It was also only the two of us anyways, so it's not like he could laugh about it with someone else. We drive somewhere else and start eating. I reach into the bag and grab our drinks, and somehow my pineapple Fanta is now orange Fanta. I said something along the line of, Was there something wrong with the pineapple one? I know that's what I handed to you. He looked at the bottle and looked at me confused, and he said that he knew it was pineapple before, too. He was actually going to ask me how it was, since it was kind of an unusual flavor. It really weirded us out for the rest of the day. I know I wouldn't have grabbed an orange one, even if I decided I wanted orange soda instead. I've always thought that orange Fanta was the worst orange soda, and definitely would have gotten Sunkissed or Fago instead. The only thing we've ever been able to come up with is that the cashier accidentally switched it out. But that makes us ask more questions than it answers. Why would she have one up at the counter? Why would it be nearby enough for her to accidentally grab the wrong one? She clearly wasn't drinking it. It was still sealed and cold. The whole thing reminds me of when variables and software mess up, and it reverts to something to a default value. Orange Fanta would certainly be the default Fanta if there was one. Maybe the simulation's code got mixed up in there somewhere. I was on a French exchange when I was 12 years old, and I dreamed of a place that seemed important at the time, if you know what I mean. It was stylized, but when I moved continents at 30 and started working at a large software company in the Pacific Northwest, I'd never even visited the U.S. before, the campus was instantly recognizable. The cafeteria with outdoor tables, the small offices with phones and futons, and even the unnaturally steep waterfall. It turned out that it was because it was unnatural, who would have guessed, and made it unmistakable. Even my office mate, a Mormon, had that same puzzled feeling that I had, 
and said that even though it wasn't in accordance with Mormon doctrine, he was sure we had met somewhere before, and that I was exactly where I should be right now. Assuming it's not just some fantastically wild coincidence, the alternative is even more disturbing. The site had not been built when I was twelve. It simply didn't exist. In the series of events that led me there, initially, that was the last company that I wanted to work for, were an incredible series of coincidences and spontaneous decisions. So, if this were the case, where does that leave free will? If I was going to be there to the extent of some kind of future memory, how much actual choice did I have in those intervening 30 years, if it all led here? Have we already made all the choices, and this is just us watching them play out like reading a book after you've written it? A few years ago, I lived in a cul-de-sac in a small, safe suburb. The kind where you're passively friendly with your neighbors. Across from my house was a little red house where lived a man in his late thirties, Ron, his wife, and their two young children. Our children would play together in the street, we would exchange favors and Christmas cards, etc., and so our families were somewhat close. In the blue house beside them lived Ron's parents, which I always thought was nice that they could see each other often. One early summer evening, while still fully light out, the weather was nice, so I was out on my front porch to relax for a moment. I see Ron walking out of his parents' blue house, telling them goodbye. He's carrying a gallon of milk in his left hand. No bag, just the milk. I thought, how convenient that he can borrow milk from his parents next door instead of having to just go buy it. I didn't call out to him as I figured he was busy. He walked into his little red house and shut the door. Maybe a minute later, Ron's car pulls up into the driveway. I thought nothing of it until... To my surprise, Ron himself gets out of the car. In his left hand, he's holding a yellow plastic grocery bag that I recognize as being from the corner store up the block. The bag is transparent so I can see inside. A gallon of milk. Being confused, I again decided not to call out to him. He again walked into his little red house and shut the door behind him. I imagine at home his wife had asked him to go get milk, and through some strange glitch, he did. Twice. In two different ways. I wonder if that evening his wife found two gallons of milk in the kitchen. I'm a male in my early 60s, and the following occurrence happened about 20 years ago on a semi-rural road in northeast Ohio, about five miles northeast of the Akron-Canton airport. My wife and I were taking a casual Sunday afternoon ride on the Harleys when we turned onto a one-and-a-half-mile long stretch of road heading north away from the airport. I happened to glance up to my left, and I noticed a commercial jet airplane, which would have been passing by heading southwest towards the airport in a descending slope. It was fairly close to us, and it would have been about as big as your pinky finger held out at arm's length. I didn't notice right away, but as we proceeded to pass by this plane, it slowly became apparent that it was not moving as a normal plane should. In fact, it appeared to be standing still in midair. I yelled at my wife to check that plane out, and we pulled over to a stop since there were no other cars on the road. That plane hung right where it was the entire time that we sat there, for 
two to three minutes. My very tech-challenged wife seemed to think that jet planes do that sort of thing all the time. Not in my universe, they don't. I did some poking around the internet, and I found a few videos that people have of the same thing happening to them. I have never forgotten my experience with a glitch in the Matrix. Hey Raven, it's JJJ. I decided to share this story because it's kind of been itching at me since I found these videos. So, this was back when I was in the fifth grade when our teacher was absent. I have no clue why, it's been a while. We had a substitute who was this young lady with brown hair and green eyes. I'll call her Miss Clark for this story. So, Miss Clark introduced herself, and then set us off in groups to do our work. Then, lunch came, and went, and we returned to our class, and when I looked up at the teacher, I was a little confused. There's this older woman with grayish hair and dark brown eyes. At first, I thought that there was a sub-switch, but I looked at her name tag and it still said Miss Clark with the same first name, spelled the same. I looked at my friend that I'll call Sean, who also looked confused at what he was seeing while everyone else seemed not to notice this weird change. After the initial shock wore off, I just decided to go on with the day, and did, until the end of the day. I walked past Miss Clark in the hallway, the original Miss Clark that I saw earlier. I ran to my bus and kept my head down until I got home. I still think about this, and I even discuss it with Sean from time to time. So that was this week's collection of Glitch in the Matrix stories on the As the Raven Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this collection of glitchy goodness. If you did and would like to listen to more of this, you can always check out the other episodes of the podcast or support the channel further by actually going to my YouTube channel and checking out my videos. Just go to YouTube and search As the Raven Dreams. You can also go to AsTheRavenDreams.com for lots of other good stuff. Ways to get early access, read stories that I've written, submit your own story, and things like that. All that said, friends, thank you very much for listening. I do hope to see you in two weeks on the next Glitch in the Matrix episode. But until then, sleep well.